hey, uh, Dr. Gray, I can go to Central Florida to plant, I can go to Cleveland to plant, what do you, what do you think? And he, he asked a question, Rick, anybody can go to Florida, <laughs> we'll go to Cleveland. Mm. That's a very valid question. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, wow. Little did we know how bad the Browns were going to be. But anyway, <laughs> that's a issue. But um, that became an Isaiah six question for me. Mm. Like until I said, "Here am I, send me." I, I, I got no peace or rest. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Send Columbus podcast. I'm Chad Grigsby here with Jason Phillips. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Chad? Doing very well. We have on the podcast today a really, really amazing guy, but a poor choice of who he supports in the sporting world because he supports the Vanderbilt Commodores. Rick Duncan. Yes, yes. Well, it's not only that I support the Vanderbilt Commodores. I've raised up my children in the way they should go, and that is to hate <laughs> the big orange, to hate the University of Tennessee. So, oh, man, Rick, anyway. it hurts me. It hurts me. But you do have a legit reason. You did play baseball for Vanderbilt and had yes, a lot of success yeah. there, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was, it was was fun. And uh, my the, the worst part of my experience at Vanderbilt was that the my senior year, we played two games against Tennessee in Nashville and mm-hmm. two games against Tennessee in Knoxville, and we were 0-4 Ooh. in those games. Yeah. That pains me to say that. Sorry about that. Sorry, Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, Rick, <laughs> while I was uh, researching, as maybe you could say, uh, for this podcast, I was looking at your uh, Facebook account and your cover photo. You're working out with uh, J.D. Greer. and his eye you know my favorite my favorite part is that his eyes are closed in the picture too it's so funny (laughs) what was that about well that was actually a sin network gathering uh back when we could gather live um when was that boston and uh so jd was there to preach and um you know mike millican and noah oldham and some of those guys jamie Mm -hmm. lamato we got up early and uh worked out with him he's a beast he is a beast Mm, i mean that guy is amazing yeah yeah well if i worked out maybe i would have joined too maybe (laughs) next time (laughs) hey listen (laughs) at in-person gatherings there's all the opportunity to work out that you want there is a there's a little cult of guys uh usually headed by the millican brothers that uh that'll get you up at some ungodly hour to go sweat <laughs> together and they call it brotherhood or Man, something i really look yeah, forward yeah. to doing I've, that i've been over to micah millican's house <laughs> yeah uh, many a morning in atlanta there you go uh, to work out with these guys so i'm grateful that they let you know some 60 something year old guy hang out with these young 30 something year old bucks whatever well, it's impressive you can do that yeah, i've heard you i've heard you put it on them so that's what i've heard yeah so. Well, Rick, you planted. Hey, hey, Dean, Dean Folks, Dean Folks has been over there oh, yeah. some. I've seen oh, yeah. Dean in that in that oh. garage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That doesn't surprise me. One the one time I had I led Young Life before I was on staff at LifePoint, and one of my Young Life students from my time in college came, and he's listening to the sermon, and he leans over to me and he goes, "Your pastor is the buffest pastor I've ever seen." It's <laughs> <laughs> like awesome. you're not wrong. The yeah. dude wakes up at four a.m. like every day to work out, so. Mm. It's normal for him. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Uh, but Rick, you planted kind of before it was cool. What led you to plant and why Cleveland? Yeah, well, um, when I was in seminary um, at Mid-America, uh, there was a strong emphasis on missions. And so I would always try to drag my wife to the chapel services when a foreign missionary would come to speak. And, and she just never got it. She just, she, she just didn't feel called to that. She's um, very close to her family from Alabama. She uh, grew up in Tuscaloosa, went to the University of Alabama and all that. So, um, so I thought, well, if I can't get her to go overseas somewhere, maybe I can go to some place that's tough and plant a church. So I had an opportunity to go to Central Florida uh, to, to maybe plant a church and also to come to Cleveland, Ohio to plant. And I went and talked to Gray Allison, who uh, was president of the seminary at the time. Hey, uh, Dr. Gray, I can go to Central Florida to plant. I can go to Cleveland to plant. What do you, what do you think? And he, he asked a question. Rick, anybody can go to Florida. <laughs> Who will go to Cleveland? That's mm. a very valid question. I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, wow. Little did we know how bad the Browns were going to be. But, anyway, <laughs> issue. but um, that became an Isaiah six question for me. Mm. Like until I said, "Here am I, send me." I, I, I got no peace or rest. Mm. So, um, so the desire to kind of get outside the Bible Belt. Um, I, you know, I read some stuff that Rick Warren had done, and I know Bill Hybels is kind of on the outs now. But I read some things mm. that he had done in Chicago. And I thought, I wonder if I could go somewhere and plant a church. And then a mentor of mine, I used to work for Fellowship Christian Athletes in Jacksonville, Florida, Bob Tebow, Tim Tebow's daddy, is a mm. mentor of mine. Oh, wow. And uh, Bob had planted a church in Jacksonville. So that kind of, you know, reading about Rick Warren and Bill Hybels, watching my buddy Bob Tebow plant a church kind of made me think, I wonder if I could do that. Mm. And then I told you the story about how we got to Cleveland. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we wanted to talk to you about, Rick, is success in church planting. And how do you how do you measure success? I mean, every every one of us should be able to evaluate uh, as a church planter. All right. How are things going? But also there's a lot of things that maybe we traditionally measure how things are going by and those aren't as healthy. So how do you balance not just measuring you know, budgets and people and, 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 and getting to the really important things like people are coming to Christ, baptisms, discipleship. How do you measure success when it comes to church planting? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm kind of a recovering church growth guy. Mm. Okay. <laughs> because like I said, I planted the church in the eighties and you know, the church growth movement was, mm -hmm. was big at that time. And so, and plus, you know, as a, as an athlete, as a baseball guy, you do measure everything. I mean, baseball measures everything, you know, yeah. it, it, how many, what's your batting average? How many runs did you drive in? And so it was easy for me to drive myself by um, the ABCs, attendance and buildings and cash. So um, I feel, and I, and I feel like a church planter could do that better in the eighties and nineties, then you can do that today. Huh. Like, like if you have a slick marketing program and some pretty good music and the preaching is halfway decent, you could attract a crowd 
in the 80s and 90s. Mm. That's not true today. Mm. So I think, um, first of all, you got to repent of gaining your identity from numbers. Mm. And then you have to say, wait a minute, why am I planning this church? If I'm planning a church from the harvest for the harvest, then what I have to do is I have to start building relationships with people that are far from God. And I can't focus on establishing a Sunday morning gathering that, 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 that can't be the measure of my success. How many people come on Sunday, the measure of my success has to be how many uh, people that are far from God do I know And then am I truly building relationships with them and having gospel conversations with them? And it, and it probably makes church planting, you know, the long game instead of the short game. Mm. So, um, so we're, we're trying to encourage people to begin to focus on disciple making of the few. And, and really, if you think about what Jesus did, I mean, you know, he, he preached to thousands and, you know, we know he had the 500 in uh, first Corinthians chapter 15, uh, who saw him ascend. We know that he had his 120 that were there in the upper room. We know that he had his 72 that he sent out in Luke chapter 10. You know, there were a bunch of women that traveled with him in the 12. Maybe he had 25, 30 people that were kind of part of his uh, traveling entourage. <laughs> and then we also know that he had the 12, but mm-hmm. then he had the three. Mm-hmm. And so you see a lot of times, in fact, when the 12 are listed, those Peter, James, and John are listed first. So Jesus focused really on the few rather than the many. And so we have to help our planters, I think, begin to focus not so much on uh, the service. Uh, I like the way Brad Briscoe talks about it. He goes, you got to start first with Christology. So it's Christ and his kingdom first. Mm-hmm. Then you move to missiology. So I'm going to get into the harvest, and I'm going to plant a church from the harvest for the harvest. And then you get to ecclesiology. And I think what a lot of church planters do is they, they want to start a cool Sunday service. Yes. And uh, they miss the harvest, you know, yeah. because I'm trying to get the best, coolest worship pastor in town. Mm. Well, guess what? It, it, you're not going to compete with LifePoint. When it comes to work, right? I'll let John. You're not going to win that that game, (laughs) (laughs) you know. And you're probably not going to be as good a communicator as Dean. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that's not going to happen. So, what can you do? I can build relationships with lost people, Mm. and um, you know. And sometimes the the sending church and the uh, denominational leadership, and I would include myself there, I guess now. You know, might not be happy with slow results, but I think uh, that's what we got to measure. How many lost people do I know? How many relationships am I developing? How many of those people am I engaging in meaningful, uh, you know, maybe maybe I use a a method like Christianity explained or explored rather, which is a study through the gospel of Mark Mm. kind of kind of. um, you know, ex- Bible exploration type stuff with lost people. So anyway, that, that's, I don't know if that's, that's absolutely what you're what looking, looking for, for but that's yeah. the way I think about it. No, it's really good. Yeah. So as we think about those measures, maybe what are some, uh, how do we put goals around some of those measures that you guys kind of just talked about? Yeah. Um, 
one of the things that we try to do in our training is we try to get guys to identify what we call the marks of a disciple. In other words, that's what we want to measure. In fact, we call those the measures. Now, again, it's not numeric necessarily. It's like, um, like, at, like at our church here in Cleveland, we have six marks of a disciple. So beloved child, self-feeder, servant, uh, investor, discipler, and missionary. So those are the six marks. So we want to measure that. So I think a planter would do himself well and his church plant well by clearly identifying these are the traits of a disciple that I am seeking to build into the lives of people. Uh. And then you got to figure out how do I measure if this person is growing as a beloved child or not? How do I measure if this person is growing as a self-feeder or not? So to me, I would spend a lot of time trying to figure out what does a disciple look like and how are we going to talk about it in our context, boil that down, and then create ways of uh, beginning to measure what true success is, which is disciple making. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we've been called to do is make disciples. So I don't know. I, Again, I'm a numbers guy, and I came by it honestly because of my baseball background. It's like, <laughs> what was your batting average? Yeah. But I try to steer clear of that kind of numerical measurement. Having said that, I would say, well, if Jesus had three, maybe I should have three. Mm. And if Jesus had 12, of course, we know one of those wasn't so hot. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should have 12. Yeah. And if Jesus had, you know, a larger group, in other words, I'm going to focus on trying to not just like, well, like when we say we're going to follow Jesus, why don't we ever talk about how he actually did ministry? Mm -hmm. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Am I truly following in his ways of doing ministry? And so um, maybe if we're going to throw some numbers out there, three, 12, 72, 120. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the numbers that seem like he had. Mm. So, so why wouldn't I try to, you know, kind of emulate that pattern? Yeah. I, I love that idea. I, th I think sometimes in the new model of church planning, you know, numbers are kind of demonized. Like if you're, if you're reaching a lot of people, maybe you're doing something wrong, you know, it's like, no, it's yeah. not the case, but there's this emphasis on faithfulness, you know, often just be faithful, just be faithful. I love what uh, Tim Keller says about this. It, he he likes the term fruitful, you know, mm -hmm. not not just faithful, you know, fruitful. Because we're we're not saying, oh, just be faithful. Doesn't matter who comes. And then we're not all focusing on the numbers. No, we're saying, hey, how can I be fruitful in what God's given me, and what does that look like in my context? And I really think you're you're hitting home on that. I really appreciate that. Well, um, and the other thing too is, um, you know. Uh, we're, at Mid America Seminary, you know, you well know this. Yeah, you better be sharing the gospel once a week. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. if you don't, you yeah. don't get ac academic credit, <laughs> right, for that semester. And you have to lie on your report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so there were times at the end of the semester where I, you know, and I needed eight witnesses, and I had six. Mm -hmm. I just hit the streets, and I'd find somebody and say, "Hey, look." <laughs> 
see that school over there? I go to that school and I don't get academic credit unless I talk to somebody about Jesus. Can I talk to you? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That was probably a really compelling way to share the yeah. gospel. <laughs> you, you get it done however you need to get it done. <laughs> well, I'm just saying there was something a little egoistic about that. Mm-hmm. I would say, sure. but there's also something that I think was genuine about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying church planners maybe they need to um, hold themselves to at least some kind of um, standard numerically. How many people do I know that are far from God? How many people am I having legit gospel conversations with? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and, and, and get in some kind of an accountability group or something like that so that they're, because, hey, let's face it, you can spend all of your time organizing the next weekend service Mm -hmm. then you're never really out there in the harvest field so all we're trying to do then is just shuffle christians from one you know unhappy christians from one church to the next yeah yeah i like that and and, and church planners can attract that we can attract Mm. unhappy christians you know it's like i i have the opportunity now Mm. to shape this church planter into the mold of pastor that I think every pastor should have. Wow. And so people show up and they want to, you know, they, mm. they don't want to be changed. They want to change you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I, I like that idea of like having a number, but it not necessarily being about the number as much as it is putting that in front of you and being like, okay, I, I need to be about reaching my community. I need to be about uh, people who don't know the gospel. Cause it is, it is easy to just get into the mindset of doing the administrative things, things you got to do to, uh, have church run on Sundays, make sure you have the coolest worship pastor, <laughs> all those things. <laughs> yeah. And not care about, right. not really care about uh, the people we're actually trying to reach. Yeah. And Rick, what I loved about your marks is they were all I- identity things. Mm-hmm. They were all like who I am. And I love that as a starting point, but then you go out right from the missionary identity and say, okay, well, how many gospel conversations am I having? And how many lost friends do I know and how many neighbors have I had into my home, right? So I love that it goes from identity. We don't just measure to measure, right? We don't take our measurements and form an identity on them. We go from our identity into our measurements. I love that idea. Well, and and the other thing too is like, I mean, we got neighbors next door that we we're trying to reach for Christ. They're from Lebanon. And, um, you know, I, 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 I um, helped her blow her leaves out mm. of her yard. Mm. And actually a couple of friends came over to help me do it. So now I'm, I'm her hero. You know, <laughs> I, I probably got enough points by doing that yeah. to last me for another two years with her. <laughs> yeah. And so she's bringing food over and everything. I mean, it's like, great. Um, but, but here's the thing. It's like, if I know what a disciple looks like, I can't be satisfied if she just prays to receive Christ, mm-hmm. I need her to be a beloved child of God. I need her to grow, to become a self feeder, a servant, uh, an investor, a discipler, and ultimately a missionary herself. So if I'm clear on the marks of a disciple, then when somebody does come to faith in Christ, now I've got a, a goal or a target or a measure, a way of measuring is she progressing as a full disciple of Christ rather than, 
oh, she prayed to receive Christ and she got baptized. Like, you know what? I'm not done discipling. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just getting started discipling with her. <laughs> yeah, it's so, fantastic. Well, can you tell us a little bit about um, your role uh, as the regional equipper for the Ohio Valley region? Like, what do you do? What's your favorite part about this role that you're in now? Well, I'm still learning about this role. <laughs> hey, it you're in like good company. All, I think we all are, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I think uh, what I'm excited about is, is working with high capacity leaders like you guys and, uh, basically kind of approaching things like a coach might approach things like what questions can I ask to help um, these high capacity leaders help churches develop a process and a program so that we're actually producing more church planters again from the harvest for the harvest So I'm a guy that parachuted into Northeast Ohio, grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as you heard, went to college in Nashville, seminary in Memphis, traveled around minor league baseball uh, for a few years, lived in Jacksonville, Florida. So then I landed in Cleveland. I've seen a lot of guys try to do that, a parachute in like this, and a lot of guys don't make it. And it's just by the grace of God that I did. Um, you know, I'm a washed up minor league ball player from the sticks of Tennessee mm-hmm. and people hear my Southern accent and they deduct a hundred points from my IQ. <laughs> you know? So, um, it's, it's amazing that we were able to do it. I'm saying the best thing we got to do is we got to help our churches and our church plants begin to train up people from within to reach people. So that's what excites me is because I think the, 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 uh, the clarity we have about helping churches develop residencies to raise up church planners and church planning teams from within mm-hmm. is a great goal. And again, it's the long game. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a while for that yeah. to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've got to be patient with, with what God's doing and, and, and not allow the pressure internal pressure that we can place on ourselves for results or the pressure from, you know, church leaders or denominational leaders to cause us to kind of rush ahead of the deeper work that God's trying to do. It's a great word, Rick. Great word. Well, is there anything else as we wrap up today that you'd want to tell church planters? What's one thing that um, you would want them to know above and beyond what you've already shared, the great wisdom that you've already shared with us? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, a couple of things. One is unpack your stories mm. and especially your painful stories find a safe place where you can um, share those. You know, Brian Fry right there in Columbus had developed an exercise he calls peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to use that exercise in our training, but particularly those valleys, where's a safe place where you can unpack those, understand how maybe a father wound or a mother wound has impacted you, uh, deal with that issue because it's going to show up in your church plant at some point. And, and, and so you got to have some awareness about that. You got to deal with that and then believe the gospel. In other words, Christ has come 
and he has dealt with the pain and the hurt of that. He, he understands what you've gone through. He, he loves you in spite of all your struggles and the warts in your soul. And um, just keep going to the cross and allow him to heal. So I don't know, just accepting limitations and losses. A book I would recommend very highly is called The Relational Soul um, that I think um, our planters really need. Because if you're going to plant a healthy church, you got to be a healthy person. And we all have wounds that we, we probably haven't explored deeply enough and well enough. So anyway, that's, that's just the first thing that comes to mind. The other thing I would say too, is don't, don't try to be the next, um, you know, Dean Fultz, just be yourself. Mm. Right. Don't try to be the next Rick Duncan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, that was a great, word, great way to wrap it up. Thanks Rick so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And I know we were just talking before this, that Chad and I have a long list of podcasts that we think that you would be a perfect fit for. So I'm sure we will talk to you again in the future. Well, that, that, that would be fun. I'm honored to be with you guys. So send some of that wisdom from Columbus up to Cleveland. <laughs> I, I, hey, seriously, we'll I want to, I want to link, I want to link to this because we'll, we'll send it to our planners up here, man. All the sin network guys here. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll, we'll share it for sure. Thanks, Rick. Have a good one, man. Okay. Hey, God bless. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.